Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion with the topic of ancient and modern necromancy, alias mesmerism and hip hypnotism denounced. We welcome you all. We are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And we will begin with our morning prayer. I'm reading from page 222 of the Blue Book. Abide is the 91st Psalm and know that such abiding is treatment and protection. There is nothing that can make laws or influence you. There is but one mind, and that is love. Do not give life to evil by attaching it to a person or a thing. It cannot live without a body. Man is immortal one. There is but one infinite manifestation. No error can attach itself to man, and why deceive ourselves by thinking it can do so? Every manifestation of life is ever-present and omnipresent good, and thus carries within itself all healing, sustaining. Know that the kingdom of heaven is within you, and this is your armor. Very Yes, thank you. That's beautiful. That is your armor. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Okay, our watching point. Watch number 477. Watch lest you deny the existence of animal magnetism as a belief before you have done the work to uncover it. Mrs. Eddy said... Quote, the rule to ensure victory for science is this. Bear faithful testimony to the existence of animal magnetism as an evil belief, which must be met and mastered. A denial of the existence of this error prevents your victory over it. End quote. Does this statement by our leader contradict the one in science and health? You conquer error by denying its verity? Page 339. How does one destroy a serpent? It must first be uncovered. Animal magnetism must be acknowledged as the mesmerism of belief that would claim to be cloud man's consciousness of God. One must awaken to the existence of animal magnetism as an evil belief before he can apply the rule which makes it unreal. If you take the stand that it does not exist before you have uncovered its operation, you may receive the impression that you can ignore it. Error has to be uncovered from the standpoint of material sense, since it is as real as material sense. It can be seen as unreal only by spiritual sense. It is self-evident that animal magnetism is a false belief. Yet you must acknowledge that you entertain it and learn why you entertain it in order to get rid of it. A blanket denial that there is such a thing as a false belief called animal magnetism is like cutting off the top of a weed and leaving the roots. Thank you. Very important watching point. Comments on that. Well, that sentence, I, you know, I ask myself, and sometimes I don't, how am I entertaining, at, entertaining this and why? That's the part sometimes I ask. Um, am I clear as to how I'm doing it and why I'm doing it? And so that's. Why you're, why you're entertaining? Why? Yeah. What am I? How am I entertaining it? And why? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Any anyone else? This is where so many people criticize Christian scientists for being stupid if they mm -hmm. just say, "Oh, 
this doesn't exist or that person's not sick or whatever it is. And with no scientific wisdom behind it, and they come across as being very stupid and subject themselves to a lot of, well, shall I say, criticism, ridicule even. And it's totally unwise. And it's contrary to Mary Baker Eddy's teachings. Because remember the three-step process, she says, first, see what error is claiming. That's step number one. And then step number two says that you know that it cannot be done. But you don't go to step two after you've done step one. And then the step three, of course, is you take the practical steps that are necessary to make sure that evil does not do what it claims to do, knowing that it has no God power behind it. But, you know, there's a process there. Thank you. It's hugely important. Yes, we get criticized for saying, oh, it's nothing. And yet Christian scientists can criticize another Christian scientist for for exposing the air. Oh, no, no, we don't want to do that. It's nothing. It's nothing to me. And I used to be this way, so I understand that thought. Um, It it shows tremendous amount of fear, and that's why it was with me, too. I didn't want to expose it. I was afraid of it. Don't I just leave it. Don't touch it. Just nothing to do with it. Tremendous amount of fear of it. It's only as you work with, as this week's lesson brings out so clearly, the omnipresence, omniscience, and omnipotence of God that you rule it out and you are no longer afraid of it. And you can expose it fearlessly and in doing that, destroy it. Mrs. Eddy, again, I acknowledge your claims, but I denounce your power. Ancient and modern necromantic Necromancy, alias mesmerism, and hypnotism denounced. Okay, who was speaking? Well, I was just going to pipe in and say that, yeah, I was, you know, I was never taught to really, it was more that blanket denial. And when I read this watch, I was like, yeah, it's no wonder. It's just like what he uses the weed analogy. If you wonder why you're not healing, it's because you have only cut off the top of the weed, but you haven't really pulled it up by the root. And so the problem you know, the, the seed of the problem is still there. And, you know, I, so many Christian scientists to this day that I run into, you know, that aren't independent are just, they do the blanket denial, but then they're like, oh, well, I couldn't possibly be, you know, I couldn't be handled by animal magnetism or I couldn't be um, influencing someone else, or, you know, or ha- you know they, they just have no, no concept of it. And it's, it's astounding to me. Thank you. Well, Mrs. Eddy tells us what to do in the same place where she says she was trying to do, so forth and so on. She says you have to have patience, vigor. You must be sober all the time and love. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Shardy gave us that quote a few weeks ago completely from, I guess, Collectania. Um Anyway, but yes, you've got you've to see what it's trying to do, uncover it, and then make sure that it's not done. And this is this is the wisdom. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. We have to have that wisdom. And only when you are unafraid can you expose it fearlessly. When you're afraid, and anytime anyone tells me, Oh no, 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 I don't hear you, no, and I get it a lot. Everything's fine, God is love. I know they're they're shaking in their boots. And as I said, I know that because I was once that way. I drove Mrs. Evans crazy. <laughs> and now I, people, other people drive me crazy. <laughs> not, not really, but, but I, I can see now what's behind it and the fear. Um, and so when you fear it, then, then you, are, you are having what? It's, it's true to you. That's why you're fearing it. You, yes, and you right away, you jump into breaking the first commandment. You are having a God other than the one God. And that's in this week's lesson, too. Thou shalt have no other gods but that one God. When you fear it, and you don't want to expose it. There is the problem. That's the crux of the problem right there. And then, because you are disobeying the first commandment, you will suffer for that disobedience. And... That's just the way of the laws of God. It's not God doing it to you. You were doing it to yourself by your disobedience. So be 
firm with yourself not to break the commandment and fear anything and not be tempted to fear anything. That's why we say the Lord's Prayer every day. And we take it, we imbibe it. And God leads us not into temptation, but destroys sin, disease, and death. So we can be strong in this truth. And going forward into this Christmas season, we must be strong in this truth because it's, you know, it's trying everywhere. It seems to be more evident, the materiality of the world at this time. And, and I just wanted to mention briefly, too, um, recently there were t two mistakes in the full text lesson, and they were not found until dear Suzanne, our, our French translator, found them. And so this is after they were all printed and everything else. Um, so it's unusual. Usually we have several proofers to make sure that that doesn't happen. So when it does, what does that mean? Animal magnetism. What was that? Animal magnetism. Animal magnetism. People not being alert, maybe people being distracted with personal problems or start of the holidays or whatever. They're not focusing on it. Um, thank God, Suzanne. And Suzanne has found other things in the past. She seems to get it. I'm very grateful for that. So, but it, it's really not admissible. We we strive and work for perfection. And when it's not perfect, then then we have to take it up. Make sure your thought is clear and focused and you're not distracted. This is a holy work. You pray before, during, and after your proofing. What did you say about it? Um, could I say something? Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, Zaria. What I wanted to say, I've been supporting Uta lately, uh, Michaela and Stefan with um, the proofreading. And it's made me really look with a different diligence at what is going on. And uh, yesterday, uh, two days ago, someone said, "Oh, go to the thanks, come to the Thanksgiving meeting at our church." Um, and I sat there and I was just really grateful that I work with playing field because there are all sorts of mistakes going on and also because I'm starting to hear different things and it's in German and the thought that came, the sphere, well, it's not your language, so you, you know, you're not going to see it. But God sees everything and we have to go forward with God seeing and knowing everything. And we have to also rebuke the error and not just say, oh, well, it's one little mistake because one little mistake is like being a little pregnant. You are or you're not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you. And and we do aim for everything perfect because once you start getting sloppy, it, it's not good. And the fact we read from the full text rather than from the Bible and science and health is all the more important that it is for perfect. And there's a reason for this because we're dealing with a science. We're not dealing with artwork or human theories or, you, you know, we're dealing with a science. And if you're not exact in the science, the science doesn't work. I mean, you know, think about it. An engineer building a bridge, if he makes one mistake in his arithmetic, what's going to happen? The, the bridge isn't going to be as good as it should. <laughs> no. Burden dismay. Well, same here. We have the privilege of having the science of Christianity. And if we are exact in our science, our lives will be the best that they could possibly be. But if we're not exact in the science, our lives are, are not going to be so good. So it's for our own good. It is definitely for your own good. And what we say here, it's actually very gently being done. In the days of Mrs. Evans, if there was a mistake like this, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and we would have to, the person who made the mistake would have to send letters out, pay for all the postage, whatever she could do to get you to never do that again. It had to be exact. If it wasn't exact, then it was pretty much off with your head. So, Jeremy, 
Well, yeah, I remember when Shardell first started <clears throat> proofreading, she asked me some advice about it. I said, oh, yeah. number one advice is act like you're the only proofreader. Take complete ownership of the process. You have to do that. Thank you. Yes. And what does Mrs. Eddy say? We should act like we're the only Christian scientists on earth. We should do that. Carol, did you want to say something? What I was going to say was um, Mrs. Evans had also taught us that at this time of year, animal magnetism is particularly revved up because it's we are acknowledging that Christ has come and it doesn't like it. And it will do everything to throw things in our, in our path, anything it can. Thank you. But uh, that's why we need to be really tough. We yes. really need to be tough on it. Be, be right, really on our toes and uh, working working well. And that's another thing. When when I first came here, I was so thrilled because we were allowed to rip animal magnetism apart. <laughs> because I came from a background too. And you, you just say God is love. You turn your back on it. Just you know, smooth it over. No, <laughs> you've got to sure. do something about it. You've got to rip it up and dispose of it. Yes. Otherwise, yes. the remains are going to get you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yep. Thank God for Carpenter and his watching points. Now, another thing Betty told me, and she heads up the full text that I, I guess a couple of people wrote and expressed their they were sorry. Now, if you've really learned your lesson and if you are repentant, you will do that. You will say you're sorry. Um, there were several other proofers who, who don't. And again, I know, I know because I used to do this. If I'd made a mistake, I'd just like to forget it and why mention it again. <laughs> but if you, if it really is, has struck you, oh my goodness, that wasn't right. You will write and say, gee, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll work to make sure that doesn't happen again. I, I'm just throwing that out there because it is true about any mistake you ever make. You need to tell, you need to say you are sorry. You do. You just need to say you were sorry. Um, and, and then you can go on. That's repentance. It's not complete repentance, but it is the first step of repentance. Right? So think about it. I know for myself, I had to learn that lesson. I very much wanted to just gloss over things. But I had to learn, if I wanted to progress, let it stricken you, touch your heart, say you're sorry. Then you can go forward. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And I think now's a good time to get into that. Um, and I will, Nancy, tell us what she found on that. Okay, from Psalm 37. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Uh, this is from Barnes Notes on the Bible. Or ordered means to stand erect, to set up, to found, to adjust, fit, direct. The idea here is that all which pertains to the journey of a good man through life is directed, ordered, fitted, or arranged by the Lord. That is, his course of life is under the divine guidance and control. The word steps here means his course of life, the way in which he goes, and he delighteth in his way, in his course of life, and therefore he blesses him. The general idea is that he is the object of divine favor and is under the care of God. The commentary says, in other words, the person who was committed, who has committed his way to God, will have his steps made sure by God. He will guard them and ensure that they are solid steps. How encouraging to know that even our small, seeming inconsequential steps are not too insignificant for God. He loves and cares for us so much that he actually takes pleasure in guiding our steps. And when we fall, we won't fall to destruction because the Lord holds our hand, because the law of God is in our hearts, our steps or our path won't be slippery. What an incredible truth to know that God is right there ready to establish our walk if we will simply commit our walk to him. 
and that was from uh, Got Questions. And Mrs. Zetti tells us in Science and Health, and I loved this, step by step will those who trust him find that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And it made me think I have to commit to God. I must have faith in the truth. And then each step, he'll have my hand and take that walk with me <laughs> or I with him. Thank you. Yeah. It's a very, very important point. I, I give that statement out a lot to people. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Um, and he delighteth in his way. So step by step. And I can remember, too, I would like to skip over steps. I wanted to get to the end result. So I would skip over all these steps and try to force the end result. Okay? Very bad thing to do. Guess what? It doesn't work. I, w I would sometimes, you know, with my children, I'd want their behavior to be right. And I didn't care if I hadn't spoken to them or maybe given them some of the guidance maybe they needed. I, I was just trying to get that end result in there. It's a terrible thing to do. To get appearances looking right when the heart is not right. This is a this is a such an important point in science. Step by step. That's why to say you're sorry. That's why to go through the things and and not just because well you're supposed to do it, but because you feel it's right by God to do it. Yeah, you realize the work is for God. It is for God. Yes, and it's only this is all for your being, your your well being, as Gary said. I just wanted to say along that lines and what Gary was saying earlier. In twelve years with Mary Baker Eddy, Irving Thomason said that he, he like gave a quote from Mrs. Eddy that Christian scientists are the most methodical people on earth. Beautiful. Thank you very much. And, you know, in that hymn, step by step since time began, we see the steady gain of man. And, um, again, I have articles from Carrie, this one called Step by Step. The importance of the word steps in this sentence is corroborated by the fact that all through the Bible, each achievement of the prophets and the disciples is shown to have been accomplished by steps in the vision of Jacob. The angels of God were ascending and descending a ladder composed of steps, indicating that even the angels, God's thoughts, signs and health, do not precipitate themselves upon us, nor do we reach, reach them by spontaneous soaring, but by being obedient and taking the steps which eventually bring us to spiritual heights. Never shun steps. And... One of my very favorite articles that I'd kind of forgotten about, and this has been on our, our website for a long time, is called One Step Enough for Me by Blanche Hersey Hoke. Now, this is when steps seem like a good thing. When you feel overwhelmed by what you have to do, Mrs. Eddy says, quote, God never leaves us without light enough to take one step. Do not stop walking the light gives out, end quote. And then in this article, assuredly, the great master who bade his people take therefore no thought for the morrow knew that today's obedience will care for tomorrow. He knew well that our problems will simplify and the fret and the turmoil cease if we will rest content with light enough to take one step. And be obedient in taking that step in the light given. Such a spirit reaches not impatiently to great deeds in the future, but grows patiently and contentedly to them by means of the quiet work of today. It's a beautiful article. Step by step, you, you gain and you get into the kingdom and, and you take up the work for the day. I love that. The quiet work of today, this visions of grandeur, trying to achieve things you're not ready to achieve. It, it, it comes to naught. It's never good. So it's a very 
highly important verse in the Bible. I was just thinking of that that thing that says, be careful what you wish for kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> you don't want to get ahead of yourself. And I like that. Today's obedience takes care of tomorrow. Today's obedience. So when you're getting all worked up about tomorrow or what, what's going to be expected of you or this or that, think about what you have to do today and focus on it and do the very best you can. What is it? You take up the the, the little things and you'll be made yeah. rulers of many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Faithful in the little things. Faith, thank you. Faithful in the little things. And, and look, look at all, everybody. What Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years. Look at what Joseph, years and years and years, everybody doing terrible things to him. He just was faithful. Um, all, all the people in the Bible, all the prophets, they didn't have instant success. No, none of them that I can think of. Not a one. They also didn't have a like the roadmap of where how it would go. They didn't. <laughs> no. No, they trusted. Well, and and this gets back to motive, doesn't it? Because we shouldn't ever want anything that we don't earn. Thank you. Because to want to skip the steps that are required really is a form of stealing, isn't it? Somewhere in the Bible, somewhere it refers to stealing from God. I think Mary Baker Eddy refers to that. Yeah, she does refer to that. I don't know the quote exactly either. But but we should only want what we earn. And when you have, when you earn what you have, you can't lose it. You, you cannot. You got it. Yes. You know you're unmovable in the truth because you've earned it. You know it to be true. You've, you've worked for it yourself. No one can take it from you. You are not jealous of other people. You, so you're not committing uh, um, disobeying another commandment. Thou shalt not covet. Firm in the truth, I stand. Lawrence, were you going to? No, I'm just saying covet <clears throat> because that's Gary's favorite. Right, that's Gary's favorite. <laughs> Yeah, I'm saying, you know, yeah, because it becomes your own. If you own something, you're comfortable with it. You really know that I have it now. And yes. no one can take it away from you. Yes. When you know two plus two is four, people can tell you it's five, six, seven, eight. You're unimpressed. You're unmovable. You know it's four. You've proven it. You've counted those sticks. You know it's four. And so it is in science when you've proven it. You know your truth. And no one can change your mind. Not all the all the advertising on on the news about how sick you're going to be. <laughs> you said, "No, that's not true. I've proven it's not true. I'm unimpressed, and I'm not even going to listen to you. So just hush. I'll I'll make it politically correct." <laughs> well, you know, this, this kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about <clears throat> how we have to um, take everything by steps and not um, kind of just willfully just or ignorantly say there's no evil. There, You have to step by step kind of know yourself. And as you know yourself and understand why you have maybe accepted something that's not true, thereby enabling you then to prove that it's not true, you've taken that step and you've progressed. And that's what you have to do. It's step by step by step. So if you just try to go to go to the very end, that's kind of the same thing as just saying there's no evil. There's no you just you've just ignored it all, you know. Right. No, that's very true. Yep. <laughs> Right. right. And Mrs. Eddie warns us, you, you can't put up your sword and expect life to be a bowl of cherries until you have wielded the sword and destroyed error in your own consciousness yeah. and in your own life. And that's, as I've said many times, a most important article to be familiar with in miscellaneous writings about take up, take up your sword. You, you've got to wield it before you can put it away. And she says, my students like to start at the end and not have the world, everything fine and lovely. And I'm telling you, this is the difference with Mrs. Evans and any other Christian scientist or practitioner I ever met. 
because she did this. She wielded the sword. It's why our church stands here today. Um, and she was willing to do it. And she dealt with all these people who, no, 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 everything's wonderful. God is love. Um, it's, it's why we exist today. And boy, did I learn from her. And, and it changed my life forever. And it was not easy because, boy, this other Boston-y sense of science, as I call it, was so deeply entrenched. When she first started talking this way, I said, holy crow, what is the matter with this woman? <laughs> this can't be Christian science. But it was. And she was taught by a healer. She was taught by the old time scientists. And this line of real science must continue. It must continue. And thank God we've got the earthly workers that support, support it all and give us the truth. Now, in the responsive reading this week, there are other, there are these promises of God. Um, and in the lesson, uh, in Leviticus, you know, when you, when you keep his commandments, all the good will come to you. When you keep his commandments, when you have made, as Gary said in his testimony Wednesday night, you make a covenant with God. I mean, he found that parking spot. Um but all kinds of things happen when you make this covenant with God. And what is the covenant with God? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Okay. Yeah. Promised. Yes. Him. It's something you're going to do. Yes. It is a promise to him, something you are going to do. It is a promise to him. It's something you are going to do. And that means set your face like a flint to Jerusalem and not deviate from that. Yeah, keep your word. You don't want to not word to God. That's, for sure. that's right. You keep your word. And when you do that, all those wonderful blessings come to you that were described in Leviticus. When you don't do it, what does it say? It's going to... Smack your pride, right? Yeah. <laughs> I will break the pride of your power, and your strength shall be spent in vain. So well, if you deny God, he, he, he will deny you. In that, it's not like he doesn't, it's not always there, but you have denied it yourself. You denied him yourself. Yes, you have. And, you know, nations should have covenants with God, too, um, because then you have Peace and prosperity. Uh, today, in today's world, when presidents and other leaders don't want to mention God or consider God or consider prayer, it's a very serious thing. Um, big mistake. Big mistake, yes. Children make their covenants the better. The better it is. And I was reading this to someone this week. I love this statement in, in uh, the preface of miscellaneous writings. This is Eddie. To preserve a long course of years, still and uniform, amid the uniform darkness of storm and cloud and tempest, requires strength from above, deep drafts from the fount of divine love. That's the only way you're going to do this. Keep your covenant. And she did. That's why that statement makes me want to cry. The tempest and storm she encountered, but she never gave up. She never backed off. She she said goodbye to family members. She stayed her course. And she did that by taking deep drafts of divine love. So when we feel our oil is running low or whatever, we must do that. Anoint ourselves with the oil of God, as the 23rd Psalm says. Hello. Gentleness. Charity, consecration, prayer, all of those things are the definition of oil in the glossary. Who is trying to speak? Okay. Hello? Yes? Uh, I was just going to express my gratitude and also maybe some of you have seen. Uh, it's been for a while, but they had these bookmark that said this woman never gave up and it has blessed me so much when I see that I have I must do the same because she could do it and and we can do it uh, 
or whoever have seen it, it was a bookmark. This woman never gave up, and it's so wonderful. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yes, she never did give up. So, and in, if most of you should have this, it's Memoirs of Mary Baker Eddy by Adam Dickey. Um, and in the very beginning, the preface, he talks about his father coming to the United States in 1848, went to Toronto, Canada, and all that he did. But he said, I never knew uh, a better man than my father. He was clean in thought and in language. And after he passed on, he found in his diary, and it was a covenant with God. I've read it to you before. Maybe I'll read part of it, because just to give you an idea of what it is. This was from August 7th, 1859. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, I thus solemnly enter into a covenant with my Creator and Redeemer, having for its end the glory of God and the salvation of my soul, and that I may be directed aright at this time. I beseech thee, Heavenly Father, to grant me the enlightening influences of thy Holy Spirit, both to dictate the course most proper to be pursued and to strengthen me, that I may be kept faithful in the discharge of the following duties for Jesus' sake. Amen. First, I give myself body and soul and spirit into the hands of my Creator to be used as God's will may, di may direct. Second, that I will at least twice every day approach him in prayer for the pardon of my sins and full development of my Christian character. Third, that I will at least once each day read and endeavor to understand some portion of his holy word. Fourth, that I will endeavor to become reconciled to any with whom I may be at variance and make restitution to such as I have, have in any way injured. Fifth, that in all matters of doubt or uncertainty, I will keep the example of Jesus before me and endeavor to act according to my knowledge of his will. Six, that I will keep a journal in which to record my observations and reflections, for it is evident I have lost much by not having kept any record of the various events of my life. So that's on our website. That's a covenant. And this all goes with the topic animal magnetism because it shows you how to not be attacked by it. Um, when you've made your covenant, when you are doing the very best you can, as in Levit Leviticus, you'll you'll have rain, and everything that you need. You shall chase your enemies and they shall fall before your sword. Um, Mrs. Eddy talks about... According to human belief, the lightning is fierce and the electric current swift. Yet in Christian science, the flight of one and the blow of the other will become harmless. This is the protection that you walk under when you've made this covenant. That these false beliefs of animal magnetism of the Adam dream, you won't be part of them. You will stay in the Father's house. And the book, the Bible, is full of promises of God. And I always think of that hymn about his promises are kept. Um, I heard recently, and this person wasn't a Christian scientist, but he, he wrote a, a book about your children and how all these promises in the Bible will bless your children, their promises. And they're, they're in here. I have been young and now I am old in the responsive reading. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Okay? This person who wrote this book, he went through the Bible, <laughs> all these wonderful promises about our, our children. And he's not just saying our children, any children, all generations, all youth, everybody. Blessed as you do this work. And even those of us praying now, Future generations will be blessed by these <clears throat> prayers. It's powerful. So don't, please don't waste your time worrying about everything. And worrying about your children or worrying about this or that. Get into this truth. Get into these promises. 
Bring it home. Bring it down. Know it's working. You have no idea. Bless. Go ahead. Today's obedience will take care of the group. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Yes, I, I was going to say that every, most every promise that I have seen in the Bible has a premise. And a lot of times we just want to get the promise and skip that there's a premise. You know, it, it says you will get this, but it usually says you must do that. You know, it talks about obedience and then the promise, you know. Absolutely. Blessed are, for example, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Okay, we will see God, but at first it comes to be pure in heart, to do the work and, you know, purify ourselves and then be obedient to God. It's, it's been a very important thing I, I've seen. Thank you. Yes, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. No skipping over. And in, and in uh, another article Carrie sent, it said this, and it's about the covenant, um, the price God requires, and it goes along with what Ingrid was saying, the price God requires of us in return for the good he has bestowed is that we shall do his will through obedience to divine love and not by the repetition of a formula. Okay, that's not going to do it. Because I've tried that too. You think by just repeating these things, it's going to do something. It's it's in obedience to the divine love, not just the repetition of words. And and in the story of Abram and Lot, you see that you see how Abram was blessed by his obedience, greatly blessed. And Lot, he had to help out, right? But Lot taught took the more material um, area of land, which was totally destroyed. But because of Abraham's goodness and obedience, Lot was preserved. His wife didn't listen, was turned into a pillar of salt. But these Bible stories are rich. All right, Chardell, you tell us about the golden text. Well, they take unto you the whole armor of God. <coughs> that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Well, put on your armor. I looked up uh, in the Webster Dictionary, 1828, and it talks about the material, you know, the, the human, the body, the body armor, and what it's for in war. And then number two is, in a spiritual sense, a good conscience, Faith and Christian graces are called armor. And he gives examples, and they're, they're good. But I was thinking, I was reading also that the armor of God is righteousness that guards your body, your soul, and your spirit. When we pray, we can ask God for this righteousness in order that we may stand and be strong in our faith, obeying him with humility and gratitude. Thank you. That's beautiful, because that truly is our armor. It's those graces of God that we express. And as you do that, no plague shall come nigh thy dwelling. All of the 91st Psalm is yours when you do it, because you have set your love upon me. I will deliver you. I will set you on high. Because you have known my name. You will call upon me and I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you. And with a long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. God's promises are kept. That's why that... Some must be in your heart. Go over it many times a day as part of your covenant. However, God tells you. But it's powerful what God does. And there's so many examples of it. Many of them aren't advertised, but they should be. I mean, we know them. We talk about them. Sometimes we put them on noteworthy news, but many. Um, Carrie did send me 
uh, testimony about a group of Christian scientists who were praying when there was a huge explosion. And it, it could have been that millions were hurt, but no one was hurt. And it was attributed that the Christian scientists who were working knew what did it. They knew it was the power of that prayer that did it. And Chardell keeps a journal. Our our little weather committee, which isn't so little anymore, but... Yeah, 20, 20 people. 20 people. She keeps a journal of all these storms <clears throat> that never happened. <throat> and rain, where rain was needed, it came. Don't doubt this, my friends. That's what Era wants you to do. Doubt it. Do not doubt it. Yeah, instead of the armor, the serpent claims that you're naked. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. And, and then, you know, then, then, and it is stupidity where you, oh my gosh, I am naked. Oh, dear me. <laughs> yeah, oh my, I, you know, I have no defense. I'm a, I'm a wreck. Well, there you go, off disobeying the first commandment again and not listening. Don't fall into these arguments of error, whatever it claims to be. You have all power with God. Denounced. This era is denounced. And I love this article was, uh, see that ye be not troubled. But it talks about putting on the armor of God. Um, and it says to occupy a certain position, be rest or fixed, continued, remain without energy, without injury or ruin. Be safe, not to fail or yield but to be firm. And that's what it means. I should have prefaced this, but it means to stand. These are all the things it does when you stand. And each one of these definitions studied in its spiritual sense and application implies unwaving mental activity, a mental state that stands in the activity of right thinking, that resists the arguments of material sense, that refuses to yield to the contemplation of evil as fighting personality, but that continues in the activity of right mental work and constructive thinking. And I thought it was beautiful what Florence read about the prayer. You know, error can't work unless you give it a body or give it a person, place, or thing. You know, we we give it all the it's supposed yeah. power. Man throws a rock, but devil throws a man. Yeah, right. That's right. Yes. So it has no power unless you give it to. You give it the power it has. I love what Carpenter says about your surplus thinking. You know, maybe you can sit and pray and be thinking holy thoughts, but then you get up and then you think, oh, my son, he's really a mess. And, I, you know, he does so many things, stupid things. It makes me so mad. Or, you know, oh, you never have the right amount of supply. It just isn't going to happen. I, I just know we're not doing enough. We'll never get whatever it is we need. That's your surplus thinking, okay, that you're doing when you're not sitting in your prayer chair. And that must be corrected so that you're always thinking the right thoughts. I, I love <clears throat> our teacher told us, Father, if this works in us, it does the work. It's not that he sometimes is in us, he's always in us, and he's always doing the work. So, not for a moment are we anything less than that. So, if, you're, if he's always in us, you know, nothing can harm us, or if it's claims to, we just have to stand and say, you know, God is in us. He can't. And, and do the work. That's it. That goes with, again, the beautiful prayer Florence read in the beginning. The kingdom of God is within you, and that's your armor. But you've got to acknowledge it, nurture it, be, be aware of it, not ignore it or, or not listen to it. It's always speaking. So, well, I, had, I told Gary I had hours of stuff today, but we are going to end on this is Eddie's article and the message from 1901 called Mental Malpractice. It's a sobering one. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I quote, The whole world needs to know that the milder forms of animal magnetism and hypnotism are yielding to its aggressive features. We have no moral right and no authority in Christian science for influencing the thoughts of others. 
except it be to serve God and benefit mankind. Man is properly self-governed, and he should be guided by no other mind than truth, the divine mind. Christian science gives neither moral right nor might to harm either me, man, or beast. The Christian scientist is alone with his own being and with the reality of things. The mental malpractitioner is not, cannot be, a Christian scientist. He is disloyal to God and man. He has every opportunity to mislead the human mind, and he uses it. People may listen complacently to the suggestion of the inaudible falsehood, not knowing what is hurting them or that they are hurt. This mental bane could not bewilder, darken, or misguide consciousness physically, morally, or spiritually if the individual knew what was at work and his power over it. This unseen evil is the sin of sins. It is never forgiven. Even the agony and death that it must sooner or later cause the perpetrator cannot blot out its effects on himself till he suffers up to its extinction and stops practicing it. The crimes committed under this new old regime of necromancy or diabolism are not easily reckoned. At present, its mystery protects it, but its hidden modus and flagrance will finally be known, and the laws of our land will handle its thefts, adulteries, and murders, and will pass sentence on the darkest and deepest of human crimes. Christian scientists are not hypnotists. They are not mortal mind curists not faith curists. They have faith, but they have science, understanding, and works as well. They are not the addenda, the etceteras, or new additions of old errors, but they are what they are, namely, students of a demonstrable science leading the ages. Mary Baker Eddy. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.